Last year, the world almost ran out of semiconductor chips. New tonight, a microchip shortage. Chip shortage. Global chip shortage. The problem triggered by the pandemic persisting for more than two years now. The impacts of the shortage were felt in all kinds of industries. Because of the continuing shortage of microchips, new cars are not rolling off the assembly line the way they used to. Fridges and microwave ovens could be the next victims. It's from TVs to smartphones are sounding alarm bells. The chip shortage, which was caused by global supply chain problems, didn't only hit consumer goods. It also hit the American defense industry. It's just used in pretty much everything, every sort of electronic equipment, like tanks and, you know, satellites. That's our colleague Yuka Hayashi. She says the shortage caught the attention of lawmakers in Washington. The military is relying on chips from overseas. So we have become more aware of the importance of semiconductors as an element in national security. And now, the government is getting ready to give out tens of billions of dollars to the semiconductor industry to try and solve this problem. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, February 28th. Coming up on the show, America's answer to the chip shortage. It can be hard to see the challenges the people we work with are facing. Addressing these invisible struggles can make us and our companies healthier. Join Holly Robinson-Pete on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Semiconductor chips are ubiquitous. They're the brains of modern electronics. And they're made from tiny pieces of silicon. Billions of transistors are packed into an area about the size of a fingernail. There are patterns of tiny switches that are created on the silicon wafer. The final stage of fabrication is assembly. Here, the individual chips are placed in a package. The U.S. is the country that really invented uh, semiconductors. And up until 1990s, uh, we produced a lot of chips at home. In 1990, the share of the U.S. in the global chip production was 37%. But that has come down a lot, and now we only produce a little more than 10%. These days, most chips are made in East Asia. China, South Korea, Taiwan. And when we look at the most advanced chips, Taiwan in particular makes about 90%. How, how did the U.S. go from the main, one of the main producers of chips to 90% being built in Taiwan? That's a pretty long and complicated story. But starting in the 80s, some of the production started shifting to Asia. Production of chips moved to Asia mainly for two reasons. One, labor has historically been cheaper there. And also because governments there subsidize chip manufacturing via things like tax breaks. These days, the way the industry works is that most chips are designed in the U.S. and then assembled overseas. And that model has become very, very common over the past 
two decades. So we now have big uh, semiconductor companies in the U.S. that just do not have production facilities. So a lot of the chips are still designed in the United States and Europe. It's just that they're actually manufactured and made in these countries overseas. That's right. The U.S. is actually still very much the leader in designing of chips. The U.S. is also a huge, huge market for these chips. So it sounds like, in a lot of ways, this is just sort of the classic story of American offshoring. Um, That's right. While manufacturing chips overseas has worked for the chip industry, becoming so reliant on a small number of countries has American officials concerned. One important thing to remember is, you know, Taiwan is at the very center of the geographic tension in East Asia. 90% of most advanced chips come from Taiwan. So if something happens to Taiwan and the shipment of these most sophisticated chips stops, then it's going to have a lot of impact on a very large number of companies. Taiwan, an island off China's coast, considers itself independent, but China sees it as a territory. Tensions over Taiwan's status have been on the rise, and U.S. officials worry that a military conflict over the island could disrupt supplies of semiconductors. Policymakers and lawmakers in the U.S. just realized that we really needed to do something about this. So, last summer, Congress passed the CHIPS Act. It allocated $53 billion to encourage the development of semiconductor factories in the U.S. The arm of the government in charge of handing out this money is the Commerce Department. And the person running this department is Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Okay. Hi, Yuka. How are you? I'm sorry we're late. Okay. Oh, no, no problem. Yuka got on the phone with her last week. When you spoke with her, what did you want to ask her about? Since I started writing about the CHIPS Act, I've gotten a lot of email from our readers opining that the government should get out of the business of the private sector. So I wanted to ask her why this industry needed this level of involvement among a lot of industries. other industries. Yes, thank you for the question. This is a national security initiative, not... Uh, not industrial planning or the government, you know, getting involved in, in industry per se. Nearly every, every single piece of sophisticated military equipment, every drone, every satellite lays on semiconductor chips. That fact combined with the fact that we buy more than 90% of our advanced chips from Taiwan, it's a national security vulnerability that is untenable. And the only solution is to have companies make more of these chips in America. I see. But I just, I want to be very, very clear that we are going to implement this initiative with a laser focus on national security. Raimondo said the Commerce Department will work with the Defense Department as they implement the CHIPS Act, and that the Pentagon will have access to the semiconductors that the new American facilities produce. We'll implement it with them. We have been working very closely with them. And obviously, you know, a lot of the information that we have around our national security needs will come from the intelligence community and the defense community. So 
you know, it's, it's a very close partnership. Industry analysts say the CHIPS Act won't dramatically increase America's commercial supply of chips. But Raimondo says it will make a difference for the military. This is a necessary investment. The current situation is unsafe. And by the end of the decade, if we do our job here, and I believe we will do our job here, we'll be the only country in the world that can say we have this. Uh, So it's absolutely a necessary investment and a worthwhile investment. What stood out to you most when you spoke with Secretary Raimondo? Her emphasis on the national security aspect and also the view that the Defense Department and also the intelligence community will be deeply involved in planning of this program was just very, very interesting. It was a little bit unexpected. What does that mean for the semiconductor industry? It probably means that the uh, companies that receive uh, funds from this program have to be prepared to work very, very closely with the Department of Defense. I'm not sure if everyone is going to be comfortable with it. So that's a very interesting aspect of this to uh, look at. After the break, what bringing chip manufacturing back to the U.S. could look like. What is dedication? People ask how your children learn how to ride a bike and you didn't. I just created an environment where they taught themselves and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. After the CHIPS Act was passed last summer, companies in the semiconductor industry started showing lots of interest. Since around the time when they passed the CHIPS Act, there has been a big investment boom in the semiconductor industry. And after months of anticipation, today the Commerce Department released its application for companies that want CHIPS Act money. The plan is to build new facilities that can manufacture chips from start to finish. The plants will likely be in Texas, Arizona, or Ohio. The bill also includes money for research and development. Do you have a sense of which companies are most likely to get the money? The Commerce Department has said that they want at least two facilities for most advanced chips. And there are basically three companies that have the capability to make those types of chips. Intel in the U.S., Samsung in South Korea, and TSMC, which is Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. Interesting that that two of those companies are not American companies. That's right. For the most advanced chips, these two companies completely dominate the market. So in order to have the capability to produce leading-edge chips, we need to bring in at least one of the companies. If If the goal of this act, though, is sort of strategic and to bring more of these capabilities into the United States, does it matter that two of the companies are not U.S. companies? I do not think so. Both of these countries, South Korea and Taiwan, are allies. And their manufacturing facilities will be based in the U.S. The government money comes with a few strings attached. Companies that receive it will have to provide childcare for their employees. 
If they make more money than currently projected, they might have to pay the government a portion of their profits. And on top of that, there are limits on how they can interact with China. It has a provision that prohibits the companies that receive money from the program from expanding their businesses in China in certain segments of the industry. But at the same time, companies are really concerned about how much restriction they're going to face because for a lot of them, China is a huge market. So for them to be told that they couldn't be expanding business in China if they take money from the U.S. government from this program, then, you know, that would be a big issue. Some industry experts have expressed concerns that the money going to semiconductors could have an unintended consequence. They worry it could lead to an oversupply of chips. It's happened in other industries that governments have subsidized in the past, like with steel. For decades, countries around the world really subsidized the steel industry. And in the past few decades, China heavily supported its industry. And that has really led to uh, huge oversupplies of steel. And other governments have also taken steps to prop up their steel companies. So this is a sector that's been, you know, protected heavily by the government. And it's an industry where we are really seeing oversupplies and falling prices that people attribute to uh, the excessive government intervention. Mm -hmm. Because if the government's intervening in a market, then supply and demand don't find a natural equilibrium like they might otherwise. Right. And when like every country subsidizes its national champion, we end up with, you know, more companies than we need in terms of, you know, global demand. Secretary Raimondo at the Commerce Department said the CHIPS Act isn't about shoring up a struggling industry, like what happened with steel. Instead, she said it's about making sure the semiconductor industry is able to support the government's national security goals. What are the stakes for the United States if this policy succeeds or if it doesn't? Well, I guess they're going to uh, waste $53 billion. And we could continue to see the share of the U.S. in this industry decline while watching China develop their technology further. The worst case scenario in the eyes of U.S. policymakers is to see China continue to develop their technology that, you know, they would be ahead of the U.S. And they have, you know, semiconductors that they could use to uh, put in their most sophisticated military equipment. And that would become a real national security threat for, for the U.S. That's all for today, Tuesday, February 28th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.